My name is Jason. Uh, I'm the executive pastor here at Rise Church. And uh, we're in for our first Sunday of the year. And one of the things Pastor Aaron says is to try us out three times. So if you're a guest, we encourage you to give us three times. Everybody say three times. If you're watching online or, or, or joining us on YouTube, Facebook, Church Online, uh, we're glad to have you joining us. Take a moment to like, share, comment, leave a review. Uh, helps us to get the word out there. And uh, we are uh, introing a series. We're really doing a pre-week to a series that Pastor Aaron's going to be starting next week called Unshakable. Unshakable. Everybody say Unshakable. So in this series, I'm, we're going to ask you to do a couple of things, a few things, three things, actually. Everybody say three things. One is to go buy the book. Go pick up the book, the guide out there. It says Unshakable out there. Uh, you can go out uh, to just to your right there. You'll see the balloons and the groups booth out there where you can purchase the guide for $10. If you can't afford that, we'll make sure that you get one. But this is going to help you to follow along with what we're going to be teaching to dive deeper. Uh, our groups that are launching are going to be in this. So buy the book. Second, come back, hear Pastor Aaron preach every week. Commit to joining us. This is a little bit longer of a series than we normally do, but we think this is an important topic, the unshakable kingdom of God. We're really going to be diving deep into the unshakable kingdom of God. And then our third thing we encourage you to do is get it in a group. Everybody say, get in a group. We have groups launch happening this week, next week. Groups are launching the week after that. Uh, we'll have various types of groups, men's groups, women's groups, groups that are open to all groups for young people, groups for not so young people. Uh, so uh, make sure you get signed up, get in connected uh, in a group here if Rise Church is your family here. Uh, we're going to be turning in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. You can follow along in the Bible app if you know how to do that. Follow the events there, look for Rise Church and join with us, and easy to do online also. And so uh, in this series, we're talking about the kingdom of God. It says finding safety and security in the kingdom of God. What do we do when everything around us is shaking? The kingdom of God is one of the top themes in scripture, one of the top themes in our Bible, and you find it from the beginning to the end, the kingdom of God is talked about. But if we don't understand what the kingdom is, we're going to miss the message. If, if Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, and he did, he called it the kingdom of God, he called it the kingdom of heaven, if we don't understand what that is, or we think it's something that it's not, we will miss the point, we'll miss the message. And so we want to understand what did Jesus mean by the kingdom of God, and we will know that when everything around us is shaking, what do we hold to? Now, let me give you some context in the book of Hebrews. At this time, the world is shaking around them. It's written to first century Jewish believers in Jesus. So they're, they're, they're Jewish background, Hebrew people who are followers of Jesus, right? That was all the first followers of Jesus were actually from that nation of Israel. 
We don't exactly know who the writer of Hebrews are. Uh, I mean, that is debated. Some people are like, no, it's Paul. There's no debate. It's got to be Paul. Uh, He never identifies himself uh, there. We don't exactly know. But we do know that they are a leader in the first church. And he's writing to these believers because they are being persecuted. They're being persecuted by the followers of the Jewish way, their, their own family members, their own nation members. They're being persecuted by the Romans, who are the occupiers of that day. They, they, they are having uh, things like they come in and take all their stuff. Take their, they're, they're confiscating their land. They're confiscating their home. They're, they're enslaving their families. All, all these things are happening, and, and they're supposed to be joyful while they're being mistreated. And so some people came in with strange teachings and they were like, well, hey, we know that Jesus came, however, Jesus is not enough. That's what they said, I'm not saying that. Please don't like snippet that out because that's what people, people do this all the time. They're like, you said Jesus is not enough. I was quoting people who were wrong. And they come in and they're like, well, you know, we pr- I know that the law was too hard to follow, but we should try harder. I know that like the sacrifices were too much to keep up with, but we should try more sacrifices. I know that the priesthood was flawed, but we still need to get back to that priesthood. Hey, I know that the commandments didn't quite get us there, but we should go back to that. Hey, let's get back to Moses. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing, chapter by chapter, he's taking every one of those things and he's like, you know who's superior to Moses? Jesus. You know who's superior to the commandments? Jesus. You know who's superior to the law? Jesus. You know who's superior to the priesthood? Jesus. You know who's superior to the sacrifices that were made? Jesus. He's reminding them what we have. And so verse 12 is now focusing on Jesus and speaking to a weary people about obeying and following God. And so we we pick up in Hebrews 12. This is our series overarching verse, 1228. He says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, other translations say an un shakable kingdom which is where we get the title of this series from he says let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe with that as our backdrop let us pray Father God we thank you for the word that was written to this church in the first century but it's for us today in the 21st century The truth of 2,000 years ago is the truth of today. Help us to realize it and live by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Kingdom. It's an interesting word. When I say kingdom, I'm sure that like images pop in your head when I say kingdom. And, you know, today like we don't have very many kingdoms. We got United Kingdom and they sort of have a king but he really doesn't do anything. There's like a royal family, but they're not really running anything. You know, you watch the crown or whatever, and you're you're trying to figure out. 
You're thinking of like knights and castles and walled cities and chivalry and something archaic. Or you're thinking of like if you're a comic book fan, you're like Wakanda forever. Uh, (laughs) Kingdom. What does it mean? What does it mean? And sometimes we'll use it like as an insult when they're like, they're just running their own little kingdom. That's like when somebody gets too too fancy and too trying to take too much power. We're like, they got their own little kingdom over there. Right, we'll use that as an insult. So if Jesus talked about the kingdom, if the scriptures unpack kingdom, we need to understand what it's talking about. So if we go back to the beginning, all context, you have to go connect back to the beginning. And so the, God's original intent for mankind was this. I I'm inviting man into my family. I'm going to rule. I'm going to reign. And mankind, Adam and Eve, you are a part of my reign. We're going to reign here in paradise together. In fact, he gives Adam a job. He goes, hey, hey, this is your job. This is, this is what I'm giving to you to do. And of course, spoiler alert, we know what happens. God gives them one command. They break it. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And really by doing that, what Adam and Eve are saying is saying, they're the first people who say, I don't need God as my king. I'm going to be my own king. They're like, we're good. But God keeps on. He doesn't give up. When you look at the goodness of Scripture, you see the goodness of God. Like He doesn't give up. So he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to do this other family. I'm going to be king of this. I'm going to build, build a kingdom of people. Let's, let's do Abraham. Let, let's, let's get his family. Let's start this family called Israel. That's, that's, you know, you had Isaac. Then you had Jacob. We changed his name to Israel. Then his 12 sons. And then we're going we're gonna to get this tribe. I'm going to be the king of this. And then I'm going to do all sorts of things. I'm going to bring them out of Egypt and Pharaoh. And I'm going to show people that this is my family. And then they're, and, and, and they don't have a king like all the other kingdoms do. Is like God raises up judges and prophets, and they speak on, on God's behalf. And then finally they're like, you know what? We want to be like everybody else, which is kind of what we all say. <laughs> they're like, well, everybody else has a king. Why don't we get a king? Why can't we? We want a king like all the other kingdoms. And there's a prophet named Samuel who's kind of being God's representative, his voice in this moment. And he's like, no, don't do this. If, we ha- if you have a king, they're going to tax you. They're going to take your, your sons and put them in their military. They're, it's going to be a mess. It's, he's going he's to have your, your kids working for him. He's going to tax you. He's going to take your stuff. It's not going to be good. And they're like, we know, but we still want a king. And first Samuel, and like Samuel takes that personally. He's like, oh, it's my fault. They want a king. And God speaks this to Samuel, First Samuel 8. He says, oh, listen to all the people are saying to you. It's not you, Samuel, they rejected, but they rejected me as their king. They ain't rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So they get a king. His name is Saul. Like, he starts off right, man, he's, he's prophesying for God, and he starts, we're going to win. We're going to make our nation great. Yes, I'm the king. But then he gets, like, that goes to his mind, and he's like, what? 
I'm the king. I don't need God. I don't need his rules. I'm going to kind of make what I want to be good, good. And he fails, and God says, i got to remove that king. And God's like, well, i got another king. He's a little shepherd boy. David, we're going to raise up another king. He's going to be a man after my own heart. And David comes on, and he sort of does, he does better, but he doesn't do perfect. Like if you, if you think, like, oh, David, I thought he was perfect. No, no, there's some things he did that weren't. They were kind of crazy, too. He turns his kingdom over to his son Solomon, which just go look at where Solomon came from, and you'll see that David didn't do well. If you, his mom was a lady that you know David saw bathing on top of a roof and was like, hey. Uh, it's a little messed up story. Like, it's like, it gives you hope. right? You're like, hey, if God could use these people, he could use me. Uh, so Solomon comes on, and there's this kingdom of Israel. They're united. But then when he, he's messed up by, whoa, man, he just, he's like, oh, he's the wisest man who ever lived. Yeah, he's also the unwisest man who ever lived. Like both in one. You ever feel like that? It's like, yeah, I'm a closest follower of God. Oh, not today. Just me? Okay. Uh, and then the kingdom gets divided after Solomon. They divide into Judah and Israel. The two kingdoms, they break up. They have a bad breakup. They come up with their own kings. And like, most of them don't serve God. Like one in a while, they'll come along and they'll sort of serve God. And they, like, they started heading in the wrong direction. And then what happens to these kingdoms is other kingdoms come in and take over their land. Egyptians attack them. The Philistines who surround them attack them. The Assyrians come in. And they attack them, and they take them off of their land, and they start taking them. And eventually, the kingdom falls to Babylon. Both of the kingdoms are gone. And then from Babylon, they go, they're, you're like, they're like, oh, Babylon falls. They're like, finally, we get to go. No, no, there's the Medes, and then there's the Persians. And then some of them go back, but they still don't get a king like they, like, we want the kingdom back. Where's our kingdom? Our kingdom is missing. And so then the, the, the Medes are gone and the Persians are gone. Then the Greeks come. This, isn't, this doesn't even happen in, within, within Scripture. This happens in between the Old Testament and the New. Like the Greeks come and they take over the world. And they're under the Greek. And they do all kinds of things and torture them. And that, it's, it's just bad. And then the Greeks fall. So they're like, finally, we can get back to kingdom. Then there's a Roman emperor. And Rome comes, and, all, and then there's the, you know, the Republic of Rome. And, 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 and as we get to, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, before that happens, there's like prophets who raise up and they're saying, guess what? Let me give you hope. The king is coming. The king is coming. There's going to come a king. God's sending a king. He's going to raise up a king. They're going to be like David. They're going to be from the line of David. They're going to come. They're going to restore God's intent of kingdom. And they're like, we're holding on to that. Hundreds of years pass by, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and they're like, okay, now we're under Roman occupation. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. Now remember, what they believe about kingdom is this. Their perspective in the first century is this. He's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. Woo! 
And Jesus shows up on the scene. And we'll see this in Mark 1. We're going to read in Mark 1 in just a second. And Mark is one of the Gospels. And Mark is a unique gospel. It's the shortest gospel. Gospel uh, means the good news. But, but the four gospels is what we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell the story of Jesus from the writer's perspective or from the perspective of the, there's a very unique perspective. And the reason that they, they differ is like one's writing to these people, one's writing to these people, one's writing as a physician, that's Luke, one's writing as just like a friend, that's John. And so they all have different perspectives. And so Matthew and Luke, they have like the whole Jesus, like his story, like we read it at Christmas time. Pastor gets up here with a little sweater on, and we had a little fireplace in the background, and he read the Christmas story, and it was all crackly, and oh, it made us feel warm and fuzzy inside. The angels sang. And like Mark, he skips all that. He's like, no origin story. He's like a comic book action writer. And he jumps right in in Mark 1. He skips all the other stuff and he's like, let's get right to the action. You ever go to a movie and it's like all, the, all of a sudden people are dying in the first seconds. You're like, yes, we're American. Get to the point. This is who he's writing to except for the Romans. Mark 1, 14 through 15, second part of 14, it says, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. They're like, good news? <gasps> well, what good news could you expect if you're a person who's under occupation? If we lived in a country that's occupied by another country that we don't like, and they won't let us do things how we like to do them, what would be the best news that you could hope for? A new king's coming. He's going to take over. We're going to conquer them. We're going to kick out the occupiers. It's going to be great. And he, and, he, and he plays on that. He says, the time has come. Whoa, the time is here. It's finally time. We've been waiting for hundreds of years. We heard the prophecies. We read it. We memorized it. We put our hope in it. And here's what he says. The kingdom of God has come near. It's here. The king is here. So you would expect he would say something like, So take up your swords. Sharpen your swords. Make sure your shields are ready. Get plenty of arrows. And practice your aim because we're taking out the Romans. But he doesn't. What does he say? He says, Repent. And believe the good news. What? Repent? What is Jesus? What is this kingdom that he's talking about? The kingdom that Jesus was talking about was a way of thinking and living. A way of thinking and living. And it was thinking and living like this. I live under the rule and reign of God. Now, the first century Jews had a way of looking at that that was wrong. They misunderstood. But we today misunderstand just as much. So how did Jesus tell us to respond to the kingdom? Number one, he said to repent. Repent. Everybody say repent. Now, in the church I grew up in, maybe like you, repent means this. There was like a little thing down at the, at the front with like a little step. We called it the altar, which is weird because like in the 
Old Testament altars were like big sticks and stones built, you know, and then we sacrificed animals there. Uh, we didn't sacrifice animals on our altar. We sacrificed people, uh, it felt like. Because you would go down there, and if you were repenting, it meant like, you better be sad. You better cry, boy. You better show God that you're a dirty old worm, good for nothing. Cry! And then, like, you could get dramatic with your crying. That's how they really knew you were repent. Like, big tears. We didn't even have no Kleenex like we got here. You're just supposed to cry. Bring your own. I don't know. Be sorry! Because you are sorry. But that's not what it means. The word repent literally means to have a new mind. To have a change of mind. Now, not like, oh, I changed my mind. No, 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 no. It's a change of the way you're thinking. It really means this, like to change your direction. You were going in one direction, headed this way, your own way. Now you're headed God's way. I love Texas. I've been here for about five and a half years. And one thing you may, if you're originally from Texas or you've lived here a long time, you may have forgotten this, is like, other states don't do, like, the highways the same way, right? Like, in Texas, like, if you're on the highway and you get to the service road, that part of the service road is going the same way, right, as that part of the highway, right? So if you're on the right side, you're going on the north side, you're going, you're going north. If you're on the south side, you're going south. If you're on the east side, you're going east. You, you go that direction. And because of that, when I go on road trips, I don't stop at gas stations that are on the wrong side. Anybody else, like, when you're going on? Because, like, it takes, especially dads, come on, you want, you're trying to make good time. And you don't want to get off on there and go to Bucky's over there. You need to put a Bucky's on this side. And sometimes Bucky's is worth it, but, you know, you're like, maybe just Bucky's. But you're glad on the way back because Bucky's is on the correct side, right side. So I don't go, but, I, but I'm taking my family on a trip a couple years ago to Florida to see my family. My parents retired, military, moved down to Florida. So they're down there I'm driving to Orlando, and it takes us like, you know, 20 hours to get there. I drove it straight through one overnight after church. It's like, boom, we're going to go. So I really can't go to the wrong gas station because I'm trying to really get there. It's 20 hours, man. You don't want to waste any time. So we're coming back after spring break, and we're gonna do the we're gonna drive straight through again. Driving through, and I'm like, oh, I need gas. And I'm in northern Florida, it's like I-75, I think. And I'm like, oh, there's only gas on the left side. So I get off, get over there. But like I'm in the Texas driving frame of mind. So I just, you know, we go in there. It's like world record stop. Boom, boom, boom. We got gas, everything. NASCAR pit stop. Set a record. Get out of here. And I start driving. And I'm like, after about 10 minutes, I'm like, man, my compass is messed up. It says S. It should say N. Must be something wrong with the compass. Hit that compass. Shit, but now it says W. It should say E. Like, what? Or no, it should say W, not E. Now, y'all know I see how I got lost. Uh, 
What I realized after about 30 minutes of driving, I got, I just went back on the highway because that's my way. And I realized I was going the wrong direction. So I punch up my ways or my Google Maps. I don't remember which I was using at the time. And it said, in five miles, exit the highway and you're going the wrong way. <laughs> so it added another 30 minutes, which was actually an hour. So they took me 21 hours to get home. Repent means you realize you're going the wrong direction and you need to turn around. Take the nearest exit. Get off. Do the U-turn and go back in the right direction. In this series, Pastor Arian's going to share some things with you that may challenge your thinking. And you have two responses. You can bang on the compass and say, ah, I like the direction I'm going in. I'm going to keep driving this way. Or you could say, I need to exit now and turn around and repent. That's our hope for you. Change directions. Second thing Jesus said in response to the kingdom is we believe. This word good news is, the, is what we would say, the gospel, evangelion. It, it literally meant in the Greek, good news from the battlefield. The good, he, he tied the gospel to the kingdom. When Jesus shared the gospel, he shared the kingdom. The kingdom is the rule and reign of God, and it means God has come to make things right, to redeem it, to restore it. That's what we have to believe. And our good news will not come from the natural things around us, the world around us. It will come from God's word. Let me say that again. Good news will not come from the world around us. It will come from God's word. So let's look at those two different views on life. Two different views on life. The one is the natural view. The natural view says this. I am the king. I am the king of my own life. I got to do me. I got to live my truth. I got I to gotta be happy. I gotta, I'm the king of my life, and I have to be the king. And because we're not that great of a king, it leads us to this. I don't feel very safe. My kingdom isn't very safe. How do I defend my kingdom? This is a dangerous world. I don't feel safe if I'm the kingdom. I can't defend my kingdom in this dangerous world. And because I don't feel safe, what I say is like, I need to do something to protect myself. I need to protect myself. And we try harder to keep our kingdom. And then that leads us to this. I'm now worried about my future. I'm worried about the future of my kids. I, because I'm the king. I'm the provider. I'm the one who has to make it happen. I'm worried. And, I, and you don't need to be a genius to see this like anxiety is at an all-time high. And it's because we're sitting in the seat of kingship in our lives. And because we become worried about our future, then we say, well, I'm the only one who can make it. I'm in charge. I'm the only one who can make this happen. And we have that belief system, I'm the king. I got to keep me safe. I got to protect myself and my family. I'm worried about my future and my kids' future. Right? Kids are so worried about their future today. My daughter went to school. She was like 12. And they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, what? 
not in a, in a sense of like, let's dream. It was like, well, we have to get you in the right classes so you're prepared. Like, you don't know that. Most of y'all adults don't know what you want to be when you grow up. Y'all ain't grown up. And they create this anxiety, and she's like, Dad, I don't know. And I'm like, it's okay. But everybody else knows. I'm like, they don't know. They just pretend and they know. And we just take all this belief system and we're like, I'm going to just add a little Jesus to that. And we look at Jesus as this is like, he's an information dealer. Like, oh man, I love Jesus. I just, I love his teachings. He was a great teacher. He's not a religious teacher offering information. He's a king with the kingdom. Jesus did not just say, I'm just the good teacher. In fact, when people called him that, he's like, mm-mm. I'm the king. I'm, I'm, he preached the kingdom. He's the king with the kingdom. He isn't just the founder of Christianity. He isn't just a teacher. He isn't just a prophet. He isn't just a good man. He is the king. And if we get our thinking wrong about that, we'll struggle with that natural view. Now, my wife is a baker. Some of y'all know my wife. She is sweet, and she likes to make cakes for my kids' birthdays, and they're elaborate and decorated. And Man, it's just she's made some cool things over the years. No, she won't make you a cake. Uh, don't ask her because it takes her weeks, it feels like. So, like, I always feel like I need to do something for her, but, like, just because I watched like one season of Cake Boss don't mean I know how to cook. <laughs> but I found something I can do really well and she likes it. For every birthday I make her a flourless lava cake because she's gluten intolerant. So she can't have flowers. So I make it. And it's real simple. It's so simple not even I can mess it up. It's like melt chocolate, melt butter, whip eggs and sugar, put that together, bake it. That's it. Like, that's simple. Four ingredients, butter, chocolate, sugar, eggs, that's it. I can do that. And, and we eat it, and they love it. They're like, oh, it's so good. It's making me hungry right now, and I'm doing no sugar 2024. Uh, so I'm thinking about it. But just imagine. Imagine that I'm taking my recipe, which I don't even need to use the recipe anymore because I, I got this. I, I don't need a recipe anymore. I, 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 I'm going to do this myself. And I take my mixing bowl and I'm like, you know, the first thing I'm going to do is, you know, I don't like chopping the chocolate up. So what if, what if I just change it to powder? That, that's okay. That's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to change it a little bit. I'm going to do me. I know you want to chop, you want to get that and chop it and melt it and do all that, but I'm just going to put that in there. I'm just going to do that. That, that works. You know, I think that, I think that would work. And then I'm just going to add the egg in there. That works. And you know what? But I don't have any butter. I have, I can't believe it's not butter. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to scoop some of that in there. Where'd my spoon go? And I take that and I just, you know, I'm not going to measure it. I'm just going to start to make that. And it don't look like I have any sugar, but I hope there was some sugar in there. Okay, maybe. And I'm changing the recipe, and I just say, you know what? Uh, there's some other things I like. What else do I like? I like Doritos. 
you know, I know the recipe doesn't call for Doritos, but I'm just going to add some in there. I'm going to crunch them up. I love that sound. I can make like videos on TikTok with that. Put some of that in there, and I'm like, what else? What else do I like? You know, I'm from uh, the barbecue capital of the Midwest, and we actually put barbecue sauce on our barbecue. Uh, in fact, where I'm from, we eat more sauce per capita than anywhere. And I know Texas, no, no sauce. I get it. Uh, but I like sauce. Sorry. Sweet baby rays will do. It's not the best, but I'll put that in there. You know, I know this doesn't seem like it goes together, but it's what I like. Who are you to judge what I like? Who are you to tell me that's wrong? You know what? My family likes ranch dressing. So I'm going to put some ranch dressing in there. Ooh, yeah, a big old glop of it. Because ranch is good, more ranch is better. Let's see what else do I got in here that I like. Oh, yes. If, if a little bit of chocolate was good, how about some Reese's Pieces? Hope you don't have a peanut butter allergy. And I just put that in there, and then I'm just going to, well, I got one last thing, some ketchup. Because everything's better with ketchup. And I just put this all in here. Now, I'm going to start to stir this all up. I'm going to take this off now. I'm going to stir this all up. Mmm. I stir this all up here. I've changed the recipe, but I'm just doing me. I'm just doing what I want to do. I don't, don't you, who are you to tell me that the recipe won't work? I'll try this myself. Don't put your rules on me. Don't put your thought, your worldview on me. That's subjective. Now, what's going to happen if I put this in the oven? It's going to be gross, number one. It smells gross. I used to do this as an illustration in kids' church, and we'd be like, who wants to come up here and taste this right now? And there's always some boy that's like, I'll do it. I think a few times I even tasted it myself. Ooh, okay, I caught a whiff of that. Uh, you do not want that. Let me tell you, that's going to burn. It's going to taste, and if it doesn't burn, it's still going to taste nasty. Why, right, why will that not work? Because that's not the recipe that we're supposed to follow. That is not the prescribed way to make the lava cake. But that's how many of us, I need my hands wiped. I got it all over me. I can smell it. Where's the hand wipes? There they are. They got food all over them. Great. Great. This is how we live our life. Jesus is just an ingredient that we add to our mess. We don't like to do things his way, the way that he prescribes. We do things our own way, and then when we have a mess, we say, see, Jesus doesn't work. Oh, I got to, oh, man. <laughs> and our life stinks. And God says, gross. And we're like, but I just want to take a little Buddhism and put it in my life. I want to take a little manifesting and put it in my life. 
I want to take a little bit of you do you and put it in my life. I want to take a little bit of moral deism, like be good because there's a God. Like, whoa, I'm going to put that in my life. And I'm going to take a little bit of crystals, a little bit of ancestors, and a little bit of... Mm. And, so, and God's standing around like, you put Doritos in that? You put ketchup in there? You put ranch? That's weird. What are you doing? We need to get back to the egg, the butter, the sugar, the chocolate. It's going to come out with something good. The second thing is, Jesus said this. He said that to, to, to believe, to believe. He said, he, 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 he said for us to believe. And so what are we believing? We have to believe who he is to us. Jesus is the only way. He's not a way. He's the ingredient. He's not a ingredient. He is the truth. He's not a truth. He is the life, the path, the direction. So we get back to that and we compare our natural views. We look at them now through the lens of Jesus. So if I was the king, now when I look at it through the lens of Jesus, I say, I serve the king. I was saying, I don't feel safe, and now I'm saying, God watches over me. I was saying that I'm worried about my future, I have anxiety about my future, and now I am saying, God has prepared my future. I was saying, hey, I, 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 I need to protect myself, I'm worried about my future, it's, it's, it's God is guiding me. I was saying, I'm the only one who can make this happen, and now I'm saying God is in control. It's the kingdom in every area of our life, and that's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to unpack that. I'm just giving you a little taste. I'm setting the stage for that. The kingdom in every area of life. So what does this look like practically? Let me just give you a few examples. The economy. We can look at the economy with a natural view and say this. Man, there's job uncertainty. Man, the market's all over the place. Inflation. I feel helpless. I need to act. But then the kingdom view is this. God's my source. I'm a good steward who knows God is generous. He meets all my needs. When maybe it comes to kids, we can look around this world and we can say, culture is dark. It's more challenging than ever. It's really not. We just have more news that tells us more about this stuff than ever. It's like the first century Christians would laugh at us if they were, we were like, it's so dark. And they're like, well, what do you have? Are your kids being taken as uh, temple prostitutes and being used and killed like our kids? No, they have Facebook. <laughs> it's really dark place, TikToks. It's really bad. You don't know. They would laugh at us. Not saying it's good. But the kingdom view is this. God's word is true. He's active. He's moving in the lives of young people. This is why we're doing this series in Rise Kids and Rise Youth. Because we know that kids fear anxiety. Teenagers, kids fear anxiety. All time high. We're going to help them have a kingdom view. 
When it comes to worry and anxiety, we, our natural view says, if I can control it, I'll be safe. Which is so funny because control is an illusion. It's not real. The kingdom view says God loves me. He's still on his throne. We're going to take some time over this, this, this series to unpack these things. And I want to leave you with one more thing. Making sure that you get that guide. Here's why, here's why the guide is important. Not because we're, we're not, again, we're not making money on this. We lose money on this. But we wanted to put a resource in your hand that has some of God's word that points back to God's word. Now, when I first started off in ministry, I went to my pastor. And I'm like, pastor, I'm called to be in the ministry. I'm called to be in the ministry. And he's like, Sure you are, the kids' ministry. And I'm like, I don't like kids. He's like, too bad. And I started in kids' ministry, and, and, and my pastor back then, he preached long. I mean, like, his offering messages were 45 minutes long. And, like, 90-minute preaching would be, like, short. Right? So, like, you're talking, like, three hours. And you got to be back there with the kids. And you can't, like, we didn't have no paging system like y'all get paged when your kids is acting up. We just had to keep, keep bearing with them, keep threatening them. <laughs> threatening them some more. I'm going to tell your mom. No, you won't. Uh, but we would do this thing where we would have a verse. And we called it the memory verse. And we still do a similar to this. And all the curriculums of that day, this is about 30 years ago, had memory verse games in them. And so, like, they would do something crazy like, all right, eat this pudding. And then when you're done eating the pudding, say the verse. And then run over there and pop a balloon. And when you're done with that, put on a sweatshirt and a hat. Like, you just play this game and you would try to have them repeat the verse and they would repeat it over and over. And what I noticed is over the years, like, curriculum started taking it out of that. And because, like, what we would do is we would say, like, if you come back next week and you can quote the verse without help, we'll give you a candy bar or something crazy, you know, a Coke. And, like, two homeschoolers would come back the next week, memorized, but the rest of the kids wouldn't. So, like... People stop doing it. But there's something powerful about taking Scripture and memorizing it. So what, what I want you to know is, like, there's little cards in this little guide that you can rip out with the verse of the week. And the verse for this week is, is, is we're going to put it up there. It's, it's found in Psalm 62, 1 through 2. And we're going to practice saying it. We're going to say it here together. Everybody say Psalm 62, 1 through 2. Truly my soul. Finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation.